Hey everybody, and welcome to Was That Really Necessary? The podcast where we explore remakes, reboots, sequels, and prequels, and ask the titular question, was that really necessary? I'm, I don't think it usually is, but we're going to try to explore it and see what happens either way. With me, as always, is my lovely and talented co-host, Paul Abishan. How are you now? I'm good, everybody. I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Twelfth episode, I hear. Twelfth yeah. episode. So we're yeah, getting up there. So what we're going to be doing today... Because everybody knows how this format works by now, hopefully. Hopefully. What we do is we watch the original, and then we watch a remake or a reboot or maybe a sequel or a prequel that's you know gone about 10 years in between the, the movies. And we kind of go through and really evaluate the two against each other. See if this was a purely you know like cash grab that somebody was like, you know what we could do? Nostalgia. And just make money <laughs> off of it. Or if it was an actual director going, I fucking loved the original, and I really want to do it justice. So... With that being said, today we're looking at the Irish police officer movie Rob O'Cop. I wait, no. Sorry, I don't think that's, that's right. Yeah, I think that's pronounced Robocop. It's Robocop. Robocop. Uh, originally, it was a 1987 movie. And Paul, what was the plot of that original movie? Detroit in the future is crime ridden and run by a massive company. The company has developed a huge crime-fighting robot, which unfortunately develops a rather dangerous glitch. The company sees a way to get back in favor with the public when policeman Alex Murphy is killed by a street gang. Dun-dun-dun! Killed, to say the least. Murphy's body is reconstructed within a steel shell called... Robocop. Robocop is very successful against criminals and becomes a target of supervillain Bodiker. Interesting. I don't know if I'd call him a supervillain, but yeah, okay. I, can, I, I didn't either. It. That's kind of why I read it. We, we, could, we could dissect that synopsis <laughs> in we, its own. We could go into that. Um, so if you guys don't know anything about the original Robocop, I just want to take a second to take you into the mind of the director, Paul Verhoeven. Now, you may not know that name, but you've definitely seen this crazy Dutchman's movies if you watched any hyper-violent sci-fi movie from, like, 1983 to 1998, or, well, I guess Hollow Man was, like, 2003. This guy made yeah. all kinds of, on the surface, very violent, very weird and gory and, you know, just, like, stupid action sci-fi films. So, like, RoboCop, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, these are all Verhoeven. If you actually, and like I said, Hollow Man, if you actually take a step back and look at them and really dissect them, what you realize is underneath all of this ridiculous cartoonish gore and all this swearing and all this other kind of stuff like that, there's just crazy political commentary. There is all this underlying stuff. We're going to dive into what RoboCop, how RoboCop is an actual Jesus allegory, and that is not just me dissecting it that way. That is literally what it was meant to be. But Paul Verhoeven, what I want you guys to know is like he is a very, very intelligent filmmaker that I don't think gets enough love for what he really did. So just, just you know, bear with us as we discuss this a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I kind of talk through it because... There's some shit going on in this in this original one that is actually really, really kind of subversive and stuff. Same with like Starship Troopers. If you've never seen that, or if you haven't seen it in a while, go back and rewatch it. That is basically just a condemnation of the 
propaganda war machine and compares everybody to Nazis and it's it's a really intelligent film. Same with Total Recall, same with like all of these films are really there's a whole lot going on. Just maybe exclude Hollow Man and probably Showgirls. Showgirls is one that Verhoeven probably didn't probably didn't need to make and isn't nearly as intelligent. So I was just gonna <laughs> lean up to you and and ask you to find me the intelligence lurking somewhere within Showgirls. Because hey man, of all I, the wonderful I, movies we've mentioned that he's done, we we have failed to mention that this is also the the gentleman who brought us such such uh, cinematic wonders as showgirls. Yeah, I mean, everybody, I every, I everybody's got to have a showgirls. Man. I, can, I, get I can't it. defend I get that it. one. <laughs> but um, so to start it all off, like I said, okay, he meets his. He meets. Well, first of all, who is our wonderful lead actor that we have? So Peter Weller, the great, the great, grand, and wonderful Peter Weller. Who doesn't um, love him? He he's uh, the original RoboCop. Um, for some of you. People unfamiliar with him as an actor may remember him from some of the more recent um, Sons of Anarchy episodes. Yep. He's done some fantastic work behind the camera as well in the directing sense. Um, he's He is a household name, but he plays Alex Murphy. He's kind of that typical wisecracking, smartass, hard-nosed cop, but in the end, he's a good cop. He's a good husband. He is kind of what the the cop we want yeah you know he's he's a good guy but he's still tough he's still not going to take your shit but he's going to go home and love his wife and his kids and be a good dad Mm -hmm. um he's not corrupt he's uncorruptible as they would say and in the big thing they try and stress is that in this time the detroit police are nothing but corruption yep and I mean, you you hit it you hit on it perfectly. Like he is, he becomes a target of people wanting to actually like you know they want to make money off or give him money so that they can you know continue with their criminal ways and everything like that. And then in the end, it turns out he is he's not he can't be corrupted at all. So they murder him in a fantastic fashion. Oh, just brutal! It and is it is it is one of the more brutal movie scenes even today. I still, still say is. it's yeah. it's. It's out there. It's cartoonishly violent, yes. but it is visceral. It is all, I mean, everybody by now knows my love for practical effects. This movie is my mecca. It is just practical effects upon practical effects. But they take him and they shoot him in like every single limb with shotguns and they just shoot. I mean, they shoot him like 57 times. It is ridiculous how many times they kill him. But this all perfectly wraps up into what I was saying before where. This is a Christ allegory. And I'm going to say this, and if you haven't watched RoboCop in a while, go back and watch it with this in mind. So when I say that, so Peter Weller is this incorruptible figure that the, you know, like overarching, you know, like government can't take out, so they kill him. All right, that's kind of Christ-like, but, you know, you can dig a little deeper into it. Like, when they kill him, did you notice that they basically do the stigmata to him? They shoot his wrists out and his feet out, basically in the Christ-like pose. They even shoot at one point right between his ribs, so it's like the Spear of Longinus actually t- tackling into him. Like, And then he is resurrected as RoboCop. This is there, there are many more things that we'll get into, but this is just the start of it. And I also want to mention that Paul Verhoeven did this very intentionally. He's... Well, he's come inter- out and said that this is yeah that this, this is, is exactly what he meant this and was, this is we're not reading between the lines no, this is out there this is him doing this because fun fact and doing some research for this I know I found out he's a Christ scholar he has written books he has taught classes this is like an obsession for him so he literally came in and was like 
you know what, I think, um, you know, I would like to make this very violent uh, Jesus Christ movie, maybe? He's a robot cop? And, like, everybody's like, I, oh, why? Okay, I mean, no, but sure. And they just kind of let him go. <laughs> and, and, I mean, it worked out well for him, but it was just like, okay, this is odd that you would do this. <laughs> so that's that's kind of the, the early stages of it. Now, uh, a couple things I want to get into, you know, like they... They have RoboCop in there. Um, the whole point of this is that this Omnicorp wants to take over the um, Detroit Police Department. They're pretty corrupt and everything, but they want to put their ED-209, their weird chicken walker robots, Yeah, it's like Yeah, it's like a small version of a Star Wars. ATST, yeah, sorry. That's yeah, the two, exactly. The, two like, the chicken walkers. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like a very – and as soon as I remember – the I – saw Star Wars before yep. I saw this, and I remember seeing this and being like, oh, it looks like it's from Star Wars. Yep. Um, yeah. Go go on, sir, because I liked who you're on, <laughs> but I wanted to throw that in there. So uh, they, they, they want to do this, and then people are like, well, it's not human enough. So what they do is they try to target a person that they could actually make kind of this part robot, part you know cop. They end up finding Peter Weller. They shoot the hell out of him. They revive him, and he is mostly machine at this point. So now this is like the first of the big divergences too from the later one that we'll get into. But in this first RoboCop, they resurrect him and there is like almost none of them there. His partner who like you just, your heart breaks for her because she has to watch him die. or she, So she thinks he's not actually fully dead. Yep. Um, she comes back and she sees him when he's first doing the walk around. Yeah, walk through the office yep. and just kind of. And she like, like tries oh. to, come. she's like, Murphy, Murphy. And he just doesn't recognize her. And he, you know, like kind of goes out and does that. Yep. So uh, that's, you know, you're like, your, your heart kind of breaks for her right away. So you've already established this crazy, um, you know, like all kinds of shit has happened to him right off the bat. Then they go into probably one of the greatest montages of all time of him fighting crime. Oh, it's amazing. He shoots a would-be rapist in the dick through a woman's skirt, it's, like between it, her legs. <laughs> it's amazing. The, the hip gun? Are we, we got to talk yeah. about the hip gun? He, yes, please, please, please. What do you want to say about no, the hip I gun? No, I just, I, for the time, I love the ammo, the armor they give him. Yeah. Um, they give him this, the classic hip gun. I don't know. Yeah. I just always remember It literally comes out of his hip. His out hip his opens hip. up, and it, like, comes out, and there's his gun. And it's amazing. Um, he, he, like, just... He fights like what, like four or five crimes in this one montage yeah. of like a few minutes, and every one of them is just like the most over the top violent explosion. He causes millions in property damage oh. doing this, but everybody loves him afterwards. They're just like, oh, this guy, this guy can fight crime. And that's the big thing after this is he. It, it's an opportunity to be to show him as the the hero. Yeah, he, they build him up in the spotlight. People now know who RoboCop is. Exactly. It's, it's a it's a now a tactical selling tool for OmniCorp. Yep. Yeah. Um, I do like a scene back up two Ooh, seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So we'll discuss this later in the new one. But you and I had a discussion regarding a hand. Like, yeah, yes. A yeah, hand. Exactly. So in the first one, I kind of went back and was just tooling around. We're watching it when they, they have RoboCop. It's kind of this cool montage, kind of this cool scene where you see through From the perspective. perspective yeah. Yes, exactly. Through the perspective of RoboCop as they're building him. Yeah. And there's a scene of them saying, oh, his hand's still intact. And the other guy's just like, nah, get rid of it. Get get, get rid of it. I didn't even think And just kind of like brushes it off like it's nothing. We'll talk about it later, but they for some reason leave a hand. And I kind of see how they're playing off each other now. Okay, kind of a little reference there. 
Uh, so I didn't. I I appreciate something we're gonna talk about gotcha. later. Okay. okay. But I really like that scene where they kind of show they wake up and it's in the middle of a Christmas party and they're yeah. messing with him and putting one of them's a hat like making on. out with him at one point. Yeah. Like... I I thought that was kind of an interesting scene that threw some comedy in there, threw, made you laugh after you just watched this man just get blown to fucking bits. They're going to throw some lightheartedness at you. Well, and I think another thing that that does really well is that sets up the idea that these scientists are in there working on this man, but they see him as a machine. It's separating it out as like, this is just an object. Like like I said, one of the female ones, like I think it's in a New Year's little sequence they have. She yep. like kisses him. She's like, oh, blah, blah. and you can tell like they don't see this as this is a person who 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 died, you know, yes. like in for all intents and purposes died, and they're bringing it back to life, and they all just see him as like, yep, this is our experiment. This is kind of and it's a weird detraction that becomes a very big theme of the movie. Then is he a human? Is he a robot? Does he have rights? Does, you know, blah blah blah. It's kind of this all nice underlying thing. We also get introduced into. Miguel Miguel Ferrer, who's one of the antagonists in there, who is yep. always amazing. It, he's the, look him up. He is the '80s villain. He's just, he's the '80s villain. Miguel, Miguel Ferrer is amazing. He's, he's so good in this. Outside of Crossing Jordan, where he's the good guy. Oh, I loved the, him in Crossing Jordan. Good lord, I didn't even. Yeah. Plus, um, then you have Ronnie Cox, who he's fighting off against, who is also who's the other quintessential '80s villain. Like he's just the guy again. Another guy. Look him up, and you're just gonna be like, oh right, that fucking guy. And then they have two other guys, Ray Wise, who I want to mention before. I, I know who you point, you, Paul's pointing at me because I know who he wants to talk about. Uh, Ray Wise is one of the henchmen. He was the devil on Reaper. Yep. He is such a good, like, just character actor. Another guy you probably recognize. And finally, Kurtwood fucking Smith, Red from that 70s show, is unhinged in this movie. Just, he is a, ma- just... a nut job. He's in the beginning scene, like right off the bat. Oh and my if God. you watch it today, you're just like, oh my God, it's Fred. And apparently he was just, Verhoeven, he talked to Verhoeven and was just like, I kind of want to just do whatever. And Verhoeven was like, yeah, okay, this is good. And then he just went nuts. Yeah. And, and it shows. It is every scene of his is just him grabbing the scenery and eating it alive. Yeah, like it is just insane. It's Red Foreman. <laughs> if Red Foreman ate bath salts, that's what, that's what this scene would be yeah. right now. Well, they, they open with him in a car chase or whatever, and he just looks at one of his henchmen and goes, can you fly, Bobby? And then he just throws him out the window. Right out the like, What the hell, man? <laughs> yep. It's it's awesome. Um, it also does have Paul McCrane in it. Uh, Paul McCrane. Oh, yes. Uh, from the mm-hmm. television show ER. Yep. I love it. Biggest asshole to love on television. Gets his hand chopped off by a helicopter. Then dies because a helicopter landed on him. <laughs> anyway. He was a henchman. I have to mention him just because, actually, I love his multiple injuries in yeah. ER. <laughs> um, so we have this; these bad guys. They go through. They, you know, like they fight RoboCop. Um, one of the things that I think I need, also need to mention too. I know we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but I love. There are throughout the entire movie. It actually opens on one of these. They have these little newscasts that they put in there. And at first, when you open on it, you're kind of like, oh, that's weird. But the, I guess it's kind of a story device. And then they keep cutting to these. You know, there are random commercials and newscasts. Some of the newscasts are obviously furthering the development where they of the plot. They talk about RoboCop in there. But then there are these commercials for the the weird board game that's like the nuclear. You know, it shows like a yeah. family. It's the nuclear family type of situation. But they're like launching, supposed to be launching nukes against each other in this weird little board game. And it's, I don't even remember what it's called. But there's all these weird commercials. And as you watch it, again, 
going back to what I said earlier with Verhoeven, he is just completely eviscerating Reaganomics and the, the Reagan era and the consumerism that is in there by inserting these weird little things into this Christ-like metaphor. It is so strangely nuanced that I never noticed before until this rewatch where I was just like, holy shit, he is a weird director. <laughs> He's a very weird director. And yes, the, the undertones are rampant throughout this movie yeah. in particular. Well, they have stock tickers above the urinals where they're like, you yep. know, it's, it's it's just meant to be like everybody is obsessed with money. Money, and money, all money, the, money, money, oh, money, money. It's just so good how he takes that and all just subverts it all even in there too. And, and for me, I, 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 while with the undertones, I love the in-your-face stuff too. Just oh, the well, idea yeah. of what they think in, in, in 1987, what you think the future is going to look like. Right. And just how far off they are on some things <laughs> and how kind of on point they are. Yeah, there's a little things. bit of on point some in there. <laughs> so it's, it's very interesting. I love watching sci-fi movies of the past today. Trying to predict the future. Absolutely. Oh, it just, just so cra- it, it absolutely cracks me up. But I, I do love um, how you, you've got Miguel Ferrer, who's a bad guy, but also kind of a good guy because he's the one who actually resurrects him who's fighting against Ronnie Cox, they end up, um, spoiler alert, Miguel Ferrer dies, unfortunately. But he dies in the most 80s way possible. He dies doing coke off of a hooker, hooker's chest and then, like, getting exploded. Like, it is just, he he has a glass table that he's doing cocaine off of that he pours cocaine off, or no, one of the hookers pours it off her own chest and then it yep. gets, you know, assaulted by Kurtwood Smith and there is a video message on his TV from Ronnie Cox that's explaining, like, you shouldn't have tried to screw with me, and then, like, to, he explodes. It's just, like, this could not be more 80s futuristic <laughs> than, it's just, like, this retro-futuristic look that I just, I love. I it's love everything it. you needed in <laughs> one 80s sci-fi death. It Explosion. really is. <laughs> just the, the, the Ronnie Cox's demeanor in which he's telling oh, he's him just this calm, sleazy scumball too. Yes, and then, I mean, cocaine. Yeah, and cocaine. Cocaine, cocaine. lots just and lots so of much cocaine. cocaine. That's that's the '80s in a nutshell. I love Miguel Ferrera. Uh, uh, rest in peace. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. Um, in real life, not just in the movie. In real life. <laughs> IRL. Uh, but I mean. Then to to take it back a step, you know, like this whole time that we're, we're watching RoboCop establish himself as this crazy, awesome, you know, like crime fighter, Miguel Ferrer passes uh, Ronnie Cox. Then he's the one who was behind the, the little chicken walker dude. So he wants to get them out there. So he wants to take out RoboCop. That's where this all ends. So he has Kurtwood Smith yep. and his gang of weirdos try to take out RoboCop and then they end up fighting it. Um, one of the things that I totally forgot, opening scene in the boardroom with ED-209. Take a second to digest that and really dissect it, too, because they bring this weird robot with Gatling guns into a boardroom and have it try to, like, detect who's an innocent and who isn't. And they do this all with live ammunition, and a dude gets just shot to hell. Blown away. (laughs) And then they're just like, hmm, well, that needs retooling. Like, one of your board members just died? Why did you have live ammunition? Why did you think this was an okay thing? Why didn't you have somebody, like, turn off the robot? It's just... It's baffling. And then later, RoboCop fights these same robots that are supposed to be this crime fighter. And it's defeated by a flight of stairs. Yeah, literally a flight. <laughs> it cannot walk down the stairs. Can't. And this weird claymation robot <laughs> tries to walk down stairs and it just stumbles and falls. It's hilarious. It looks like a toddler trying to walk. It's like, hey, yeah. you're two. Walk down these stairs. Nothing bad could happen. Yeah. 
it's it's the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Then it culminates in this giant. Well, there's there's a shootout in a cocaine factory, and no, I'm not making that up or being hyperbolic. It is a literal factory that makes cocaine. Back to previous comment <laughs> of lots and lots of cocaine that happens in this movie, and then it ends up with this the culmination of RoboCop fighting Kurtwood Smith and killing all of his guys in a very violent fashion, and uh, eventually killing Ronnie Cox too. But uh, it, it, there's a point where he literally walks on water. Like, that's not a joke. <laughs> yep. Robocop comes out and is actually walking on water. And he, like, overcomes his, his you know, robotic tendencies to be kind of human in the end. It's just everything. This all sounds so ludicrous, but it's just, uh It is ludicrous. And that's that's so the good. fun of the movie. <laughs> undertones, no undertones. It's a fun sci-fi movie with a lot of blood, a lot of swearing. And when you really dig into it, there's a whole lot of un- subtext and undertone oh, in there, too. And that's, that's so good. <laughs> and it's one of those movies that you don't watch once. No, you have you to gotta watch, watch it a time. few times and kind of understand and digest what you're watching. And and again, if, you, and if you're not into that, because there are plenty of people who just want to shut their brains off and watch a good fucking movie, this is it, too. This like is it's, definitely it. It, it it serves a lot of purposes, whether it's just switch your brain off, watch this cop turn into a robot and kill mm-hmm. people. Awesome. If you want to really get deep and kind of understand the religious components around it, it's it's really something that to be digested, whether it's on a religious standpoint, on a technological standpoint, on a AI, you know, that the whole argument developed around artificial intelligence. Should we use it? How far should we go with it? Is it safe? I mean, there's so many things that we now in the future, hindsight being everything, we can really digest this movie on so many levels. And I go into this soliloquy about this because this, my opinion, is very going to. It's going to be very different when we talk about the new one. That's that's how yeah. I'm going to put it nicely. So, I, I mean, my my last thoughts on it, um, you know, he kills Ronnie Cox in the same boardroom that, that, that we saw the ED-209 kill somebody before. So, man, is that boardroom seen a lot of bloodshed. A lot of bloodshed. It's a, it's a whole lot going on there. Um, this, this whole movie is just, I don't know. I, I don't know what else I can say about it aside from, like, just... Go and re If you've already seen it, rewatch it. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it and watch it with a lens that, like, yeah, it is this weird, hyper violent, seemingly just kind of standard sci fi action movie. Watch the commercials that show up in there. Watch them talk about this uh, SUX vehicle. Sucks, haha. Uh, but it, it, about how it gets 8.2 miles per gallon and they're touting that as like the super powered thing. Like, yeah. People, it's just, it's almost prescient. But at the same time, it's actually just commenting on what's currently happening. And there's also this weird Jesus figure that runs through it. It's just, I don't know, just there is a whole lot going on. So I would encourage you, if you've never seen it, watch it and then watch it again. And if you have seen it, watch it with a whole new frame of reference. Because you probably watched it when you were younger, like me. And you thought, cool, you know, like boobs and boobs and blood, neat. And now there's this whole weird thing because there's a boob shot in the locker room because the locker room is co-ed and yep. that's something something he would bring back in starship troopers where yep. he tries to do that but he's trying to like show that just like in the in, locker room in there too in the future there's just like there's everybody's just the same like there's equality and it's just weird stuff that he throws in there so he's dutch he oh god i love that i love that he's I, also i know i'm i did a couple of bad impressions there and they sound like gold member 
Um, that's because he does sound like old member. I encourage you to watch any interview with Paul Verhoeven. That dude is weird and it's amazing. It's and just really just comical. watch it. Just yeah. watch them. So uh, Paul, we do this every time, but I gotta go to Amazon. Let's figure out um, what do we got for some of these uh, these reviews in here. So just so everybody knows too, on Rotten Tomatoes, critically. This is 89%, and uh, the audience score is uh, 84%. So this is generally very highly reviewed. And this made quite a bit of money, too, right? Uh, this accumulative worldwide gross uh, $53 million. It's pretty good for 1987, actually. Yeah, it cost $13 million to make on estimate, so not too bad. Did $8 million on its opening weekend in 1987. Yeah, it was uh, number 16, top three of that year, were Three Men and a Baby, Fatal Attraction, Beverly Hills Cop 2. So what um, what did you find for Amazon five-star reviews on this movie? They were Five-star reviews, not difficult to find in 1987. No, no. They were easy. very, there were a lot. Um, a lot of them had central themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this person says they love this RoboCop movie most of all. Um, I mean, there are several, there were a couple of sequels. Neither oh, there were a lot of sequels. There were, uh, well, RoboCop 2 was famously written by Frank Miller, and he said that it was this amazing script that nobody had the balls to make or whatever, and then they made it based off of that script, and everybody was kind of like, oh, that wasn't really all that great. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to turn it into a comic book. I'll show you really, because they butchered it. That's not my original script. And then he made it into a comic book, and everybody was like, yeah, it's still not that still great. Still not great. <laughs> so, still not that so, good. Yeah. So maybe this person is saying that it's their favorite the favorite RoboCop of all of them. Of all of them? Of all of them? Um, And they say, I am a fan of the RoboCop character. The movie can be graphic, but ultimately it brings back awesome memories from the days when you can find robots and radio shacks everywhere. So this person, Uh I picked this because this person somehow lives in a world where he remembers when you can... The days of when you can find robots, robots and Radio everywhere? Shacks. Sure, sure Radio sure. Shacks I get, because there are bountiful amounts of Radio Shacks. I love the old school stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I chose this because I feel like... This person lives in, in their Amazon own fantasy needs world. To, Amazon <laughs> needs to find this person and maybe do a... Just a just a courtesy check, make sure they're doing okay. You do realize, but robots. this person does does firmly believe apparently that robots exist. I mean, go um, back and watch Rocky Four and this movie, and you know, and maybe even like Inner Space and uh, Short Circuit. I mean, the '80s had a lot of robots. There's so many remakes right there to make <laughs> that I just can't. I I can't even. Um, All but right. yeah, what about you? Tell me, it came up with something better than robots. <laughs> In the 80s. Um, so this one is titled Excellent Story, Excellent Acting for an Excellent Price. Uh, Ooh, which is really that's excellent. excellent. It, it is excellent. Um, so it starts off, excellent, <laughs> scary sci-fi story, a futuristic dystopian society where corporations control much, sort of like the USA today. Ooh. He goes into a quick, I'm not even going to read it, but he does a brief explanation of the plot and then ends it with, Excellent acting by all and perfectly realistic special effects. Enjoy. Okay. Perfectly realistic. Bear in mind, I, we didn't even mention there's stop motion animation of the ED-209, or maybe I did briefly mention that, but didn't even mention when a guy gets you know, shot into a vat of toxic waste and then just like starts to melt and then is hit by a car and explodes. Don't know if I'd go with realistic on that one, but, you know, it's for, for whatever. For this person... 
that is completely believable and realistic for them. How about a one-star review for you, Paul? Those were actually kind of hard to come by for the 1987. There were not many, and most of them were referring to the DVD packaging or the apparently bad blue po- uh, Blu-ray port. Yes. Over. So... Could you find one that was about? Uh, I did, I okay. did, and the few that were available were mm-hmm. were very funny. Yeah, um, this one entitled "Language Ruined It for Me" <laughs> used to be one of my favorites. I did not recall the language being this bad. Must have watched it on Sci-Fi or some other station that cut out the bad language. I hate toilet language. Toilet language. Toilet language. <laughs> um, should I reply with a link to this podcast? I mean, maybe. <laughs> she might not like our toilet language. So I... Mitchie, Mitchell and Allie don't like toilet language. But, um, yeah, they, they there's some language in here, folks. There is some language in here. There's some mother fudging forking language. Yeah. And that'll be a point I want to bring up in 2014. Oh, anyway, oh yes. I did find a one-star review for this as well. Um, there were actually a couple others that were that mentioned language, but I went with one that wasn't uh, mentioning the language Love this it. time. Yeah, uh, this one is titled One Star, and it is simply Sensationalized Brutality. Yeah. I'm like, and? I, and? I'm like, yeah, that's the five-star review that that's, I would give it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you meant five, not one, but okay. Okay, then. So, yeah, Robocop, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just good. It's, to quote the five-star review that I read, excellent. Excellent. Um, now let's move on to 2014. 2014, they decide, hey, I don't hey, think you know we need to do that. I think we should just end the episode here. Nope, I'm not going to. I'm not going to allow that. Well. So, in 2014... They remade this movie, put some stars behind it. I got a little, a little excited about it. And uh, the plot line is the year is 2028. So they said it two years, because it was 2030 before, yep. wasn't it? Yeah. Year is 2028. Multinational conglomerate Omnicorp is at the center of robot technology. Overseas, their drones have been used by the military for years, and it's meant billions for Omnicorp's bottom line. Now Omnicorp needs to bring their controversial technology to the home front, and they see a golden opportunity to do it. When Alex Murphy, a loving husband, father, and good cop, doing his best to stem the tide of crime and corruption in Detroit, is critically injured in the line of duty, they see their opportunity for a part man, part robot police officer. Omnicorp envisions a robocop in every city, and even more for billions for their shareholders. But they never counted on one thing. There is still a man inside that machine pursuing justice. Dun, 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 dun. So, um... I really wanted to see it in theaters. Never ended up going to do I it. I didn't either. I, I yeah. wanted to um, because this cast is is intriguing as hell, man. There's Samuel L. Jackson, Gary Oldman, um, Michael Keaton, even Joel Kinnaman, the guy who plays RoboCop. He's good in Altered Carbon on Netflix. He was pretty good in. Um, he was my only. He was my only character I really liked in Suicide Squad. Thank you. Yes, I, he was yes. Rick Flag. He actually wasn't bad. He, he wasn't in bad. In a terrible movie, he wasn't bad. No, not at all. Um, and the movie opens up right away with Samuel L. Jackson. So I went into this not looking at the cast. Just I knew it was RoboCop. I had yeah. no idea who was playing RoboCop. I just watched it. Turned it on one day. Yeah. And right off the bat, it's Samuel L. Jackson. I was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, this is okay. You got me. And it's Samuel Go Jackson on. playing like a, a Rush Limbaugh type of like yes. you know, talking head. Um, you know, it's, can, I think he's. 
I don't know if I would necessarily say that he's a Republican per se, but he's definitely very nationalist. You know, he's like yes. trying to show that like it's it's got him talking about these robot drones and how they're saving lives and how we should be bringing them here. He is this political mouthpiece, and it is definitely playing off of the newscasts and commercials that they had in the original one. And I came into it thinking the same thing for you. It was like, okay, we're opening with Sam Jackson. It's got some political commentary-like aspects in here. I was like, holy shit. I, you know what? Tentatively, I'm a little excited about this. They kind of nailed it. And then they start going in there. They have Jackie Earl Haley show up yes. right away. Um, they're fighting terrorists in a Middle Eastern country. All right. It's sort of relevant, but also kind of like, it's a little trope. Yeah, like, we've, we've done this. Okay. Done, I don't think we need to. But it's it's pretty interesting. Um, I put the word robophobic in here because it seems like people are very afraid of robots. Yeah, so uh, like drones have been yeah. banned in the United States or for, the use of uh, military-style drones for yeah. protection for police. and for yeah. policing. They don't want it. They don't want it. It, it, they want it used overseas, not here in the U.S. That's Correct. the big debate that they have. And, and you, in the first scene, you see this drone just... Yeah. And again, I don't mean drone is in a flying drone. I mean drone yeah. is in almost... They're surrounded they're human, by robot, robot, robocops. No yeah. humans. They're they're like um, mm-hmm. Star Wars almost. Yeah. Um, and they just blow this kid away. Yeah. Just graphically while a news crew is yeah, filming. It's and it's live on the news. Yep. And... It's vicious, but it's not too vicious. So I want to point it out before we go any fucking further. I was going to, I'm pretty sure you're going to say exactly what I want to fucking get at too. (laughs) So as brutal as we have talked about, as the first one was, even for 1987, even for today's standards, like it it was brutal. It is brutal. It was a lot of swearing. It was a lot of blood. Mm -hmm. People were blowing up. This movie's rated fucking PG-13, people. It is. So when Paul talks about seeing... PG-13. He talks about seeing these drones kill this kid. It's just like obscured by smoke. You kind of see him get shot. There's no blood, no anything like that. Okay, I'm not a gorehound. I don't need to see that. But kind of the whole point of the original one is that there's swearing. It's shock value. It's meant to do this to you. Okay. All right, I I can deal with this. You know what? I, I've watched this, and at this point in the movie, I'm watching it and thinking, all right, I can deal with that. You know what? I mean, they made a PG-13. I know it's really a money grab because PG-13 is a wider audience. It, you know, it can attract more people than a rated R can. And actually, it's that's like, exactly what happened. They were yeah. short on funds. They needed money. And they needed to go PG-13 for a broad audience. Yep. I, so I get it. Said, so I, I can put that in my money, mind. We will, you have to get a bigger audience, so yep. you have to make a PG-13. So I'm sitting here watching that happen. And it's like, all right, well, you, you, I'm still willing to give it a chance. Cuts into Michael Keaton. He is hamming it up. He is doing everything he can. I love Michael Keaton. Jay Baruchel is one of his marketing guys. If you guys don't know who he am, who he is, just look him up. He's from Forty Year Old Virgin and uh, Knocked Up and Undeclared. Undeclared. He's he's, he's he's really really funny guy. He's the main voice from How to Train Your Dragon. That's Jay Baruchel. He is actually really good. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh man. And then they cut to Gary Oldman who is the robotics guy who he is with a person who's lost both of his hands and used to be a, a concert guitarist apparently. And the guy's like, I can't really feel it. And you look at Gary Oldman, it like zooms into his face and he's like, the music doesn't come from your fingers. It comes from your mind. And the guy's playing a, a guitar and going through this. And you're just like, God damn, Gary Oldman can deliver a line. Like, holy really shit. And then it goes into Michael Keaton coming to him being like, Hey, we got to go more full robot. Like, we need to not just be, like, limbs. People want these robot things, but there's got to be some human element to it. This is them kind of, like, trying to decide, like, how they can get their drones here in the U.S. because nobody wants them there. How do they sway people? It's got to be kind of like a man-robot machine. 
and they start going through this actually pretty great scene of them looking at like police officers injured in the line of duty that are like yep. he's a paraplegic let's give him robot legs and they're like nope he's too you know and they're like taking it from a marketing perspective it's like yes. he won't play well with this demographic he doesn't do this too michael you know, keaton's like, the yep. the the bunny yeah and gary oldman is then nixing a few of them because he's like he's unstable like for yes. me to have this it, and it, which is interesting because we actually have some of this technology today where people have these artificial limbs that are controlled by their brain and gary oldman's bringing up he's like if they get too emotional or they get this like they can't really control the limbs as well so they're going through and nixing all these things again it's a very cold methodical business-like approach to this stuff which is cool so we're like you know 30 minutes in and i'm kind of bought into it I kind of like this movie. Actually. I like where they're going with I it. Do. It, it. It's, it's definitely a different direction. Yeah. Um, in a sub sub sense of where they went in the first one, this is definitely more yeah. of a technology. Should we um, that kind of coldness versus well, these are humans too. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. So far, even within thirty minutes, I feel like we're off to a different direction. Yeah, and I like it. I like what they're doing. I like what they're setting up. Then we meet Joel Kinnaman. All right. I like Joel Kinnaman. I do. Altered I Carbon is awesome. I mean, like, sure. he's really good in it. Here's my problem with this. The whole point of this movie is that they, rather than, like we said in the first movie, you meet Peter Weller as RoboCop. You like you, you meet him, he's got some emotions, and as RoboCop, he is emotionless. This movie tries to take it, and I, again, I kind of understand the concept of it. They try to make him an emotional person, even after he's been turned into RoboCop. They try to make it so that you have some connection there, that he's still got some human. They even have a scene where they're, like, dialing down his emotions. It's kind of dumb. Whatever. He, I, my problem is that he he has no he has no chemistry with his on screen wife. They are two cardboard cutouts of people trying to like that that a child is like mashing together to be like kiss kiss kiss. You know it's like they're, yeah. they're terrible and he has no emotional depth. When I've watched him in Altered Carbon or when you watch him in Suicide Squad, he doesn't have to emote a lot. It works super well. You know Altered yes. Carbon is this like neo noir thing, so he's kind of got the old thing. You know he's a military guy. In this one. He's, you're supposed to connect with him emotionally. I just don't give a shit. Exactly. That's the thing. I don't, you, I don't you give a shit. You don't care about him. You just you don't, don't care about him. Or his wife. Pl- or his kid. They all are just. You don't care about any of them. None of them. Like and this, you're supposed to. That's the problem. That's exactly. So the whole point of this movie in the long The emotional term crux of it is. is the, yes. Is they use his wife so much as this pawn and his Ugh. emotional back and forth and do we keep him being a human or do we make him a robot? It's it's totally different than the first one. It's really not even a bad guy versus good guy. It's more this internal struggle of do we keep him with emotions? Do we take emotions away? Yeah. Well, we're just gonna tell his wife he's dead and all this, and then the whole time you're like. You've never seen the husband and wife really even together in a scene. Yeah. And then you're supposed to give a shit. Yeah, it's 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 poorly set up. Um, and that's where the movie starts to go downhill for me. Uh, he then is killed by going out to his car and it explodes. Which, I one of the things that I noted was like, it's kind of an interesting one shot. It's a good like one take of it happening and then it explodes. And it, it, like that all looks good. The problem is, is that it is like he walks out of his door and then... Bam, he explodes. Well, that's it. Yep. There's no, we, we got through, we, we spent, what, five minutes talking about the first killing in the first yes. RoboCop? Like, it is this visceral, guttural, like, oh, my God, you connect to it. And this one, he's like, oh, two seconds, he explodes. Okay, cool. And then then, then he's a shitty that... head, lung, and, ar- and hand, and hand. C- CGI'd. See, it, it's just awful when they ugh, I hate and they come back to it so many times Stop so they it. had in the first one you, we barely touched on Lewis his partner 
Oh yeah, yeah and yeah, how she, she had to watch this brutal, mm-hmm, brutal mm-hmm. slang, and that there was this kind of subplot behind the first one where she had to carry that with her, and every yep, time she looked at PTSD Robocop, she, and she yeah, exactly she we didn't it. in the '80s they didn't know it. Today yeah. we, you're like, oh, she has PTSD because exactly. she saw this as super fucked up. So they don't tell you until like the very end of this movie that her son saw him blow up, and, and oh, by the way, when were we, we, we to saw know this, and he's kind of fucked up from it now yeah okay you took what could have been a really good plot and really played on today's mental health and struggles but you didn't you didn't tell us until the end like oh by the way he saw this since probably got some ptsd and... yeah and it's a funny thing too because they actually like i said it's kind of an impressive one shot when he walks out of the house his car explodes and then they show it later in the movie, like his wife comes out, finds him, and then like has to run back in. They zoom up. His son is out there looking out the windows, watching all this happen. It's like, yeah, do that in the first scene. Do that in the first part. We might actually sort of give a crap about this. But they cut it like right after That's it explodes. The they just cut it. And you're like, if you showed that from the very beginning, yeah. if you show him blow up and his wife comes out and is cradling him and he's screaming and charred yeah. and bloody and messy and she's crying. And then you see the son, saw the whole thing. Though that would change my perspective of that whole dynamic for the entire movie. Yeah, and it still doesn't change the fact that they're terrible, stiff actors, but it would help set it up emotionally a bit more. A little bit better emotional setup. Yeah. So Um, then he gets resurrected as this face and lungs and stupid, why do they keep showing it? He has a moment where he's actually, like, this is where Kinnaman isn't half bad because he kind of has a moment where he's just like, just kill me. And they're like, nope, we're not going to. Yeah, <laughs> they, no, we're not going to do that. This, which is, that's kind of an interesting shot. But they need to they need to not. It's, it just looks like really bad CGI when he's just this weird lungs piece. They put the suit on him, and then uh, he trains with Jackie Earl Haley. One of the interesting things I found with Jackie Earl Haley, who I actually really rather like, um, he is prejudiced against him. Which is interesting because he is the guy who you're seeing with all the robots and they're having RoboCop like go up against these robots and tests and stuff. And Jackie Earl Earl Haley is just like, yeah, my robots are better than he is. Why the fuck do we have to have this this person in there? He just slows everything down. And it's because public perception, if they're partially human in there, makes it a little bit better than just these unthinking robots. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, They have a nice little nod to the original uh, suit in there because they changed the suit for their combat mode version is the original suit. Um, It's kind of interesting too that they they didn't use that um, because in the original movie the suit was very hard for Peter Weller to move in. He almost quit the movie because he couldn't move in it. Had to go relearn and retrain with one of his acting coaches and his acting coach was like, I don't know, use the stiffness, make it better. And it turns out being this iconic like stiff walk. Yeah. And this one they CGI a Robocop suit over yeah, most of the time. And then if, if it's not just completely a CGI character. When he's fighting, they bring back the E D two oh nines. They do. Which I'm actually okay with. They didn't look too bad as CGI. I mean, like whatever. I, I miss the I miss my practical effects. I miss my even if it is weird claymation, yep. I miss it. I love it. <laughs> but there's like a scene in the end where he fights two of them and it's just like RoboCop jumping around and it looks terrible CGI and it's like that's not Ro- RoboCop is like a ro- he's yeah. a robot he's, he's slow he's plotting. it reminded me of Bouncy Yoda yeah oh and like what is yes. that Attack the Clones yes, yes. It re- yes. I was like what good, is this fucking Bouncy analogy. Yoda all over again yes, this isn't is. how you move mm-hmm. they did have a brief shot of Michael Keaton's office he has in the back almost like Iron Man old suits. And the, there's a quick shot of, of the, the original yeah. yep. suit that he has in his office. Yep. Um, there were some nods to the original mm-hmm. one. Um, they I, had one I had one burning question that I had to ask about his suit and everything is, is he 
anatomically correct, do you think? Because they did some pretty great detail in there. I'm just kind of curious. Because they never really addressed that. That he's like going to go back and be with his wife. Like, did they make him a little uh, robo-peen? Yeah. I'm kind of curious. This is a burning question in my mind right now. I mean, now. if they did, good for her. I know, right? It could I be could vibrating function in there. It could be like Archer up in here. I don't know. Um, I, I feel like they hired Joel Kinnaman for his robot acting. Because he's actually pretty good. When they dial down his emotions and he's supposed to be the RoboCop... He's, he's good in robotics, so I feel like his audition was just them being like, can you be a robot? And he's like, yep, I can. They're like, oh, that's pretty good. We'll figure out the emotional stuff later. Problem is, they never did. They didn't. They never and did. And he's <laughs> just not, I don't know. I don't see him as this, like, good guy cop uh, no. turned robot. You just don't really connect with him, as we mentioned before. You just kind of don't care. And it's really what's And it may really... not even be his fault. It may be the writing's fault. I, well, it I... could be the writing's fault. It could be the director's fault, too, because a lot of times actors are told what to do by the director, so the yep. director may have told him to stifle it. I don't really know. Um, it's it, The problem is, like, you put him in so many scenes with Keaton or Oldman, especially Gary Oldman's in a lot of scenes with him and his wife. Yep. And Gary Oldman is an amazing, Oscar-winning, I believe, actor. It's just like... He's he's so thoroughly outclasses them that you're just like, yep, these are these people can't act their way out of a wet paper bag. They just yep. it's just not good at all. So I really wanted there to be a scene because they they show him going through. They have like a brief montage. It's not the same as the montage of him like fighting crime, but you know they're like, oh, he solved this many things. I really want. I really wanted a scene where, they, where he was just like, I have casework. And he goes, and it's just him, like, pounding on a yes. keyboard for, like, five minutes. Like, I really wanted that to be part so, of it. So, like, it's just, I don't know. I don't, no, I don't I'm glad that. you brought that up. There was So there was, this movie was so dry. I know. There was no humor. And even, like, it we kind of mentioned in the humor. first one, there was intentional humor. Oh, yes. Like, yes, getting definitely. shot in the dick through a skirt. Oh, my God. I, yeah. Like, by, like, Wild West-style hip gun. Yeah. <laughs> was was meant to be funny. It was meant to give you a little bit of a chuckle, and there was, in it's my dry, mind, just dry so up dry. It's the Gobi no, Desert up in this bitch. It no, is so dry. No opportunities for like even a mild little chuckle here, yeah. or a mild little something there. It was, I I didn't care for that at all in the writing, and it, and it really I don't think you don't connect with the movie. And they try to recreate some of the scenes. There's like the the scene in the drug factory i guess yeah. in quotes kind of drug, drug factory, factory yeah whatever it is um but the 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 guys knock out all the lights they they turn off all the lights against this robot and then put on night vision goggles that's the single dumbest thing you can do you think the robot they didn't equip him with night vision yeah, so of course of he murders him because he's a robot and he can see through the dark whereas they have all the muscle flash and stuff like that like they just, they just keep the lights on man it's not gonna help you at all to turn him off it's just you're just helping him and they mentioned specifically 50 caliber or higher is what his armor can stop yeah or what his armor can't stop so in that scene the bad guy the main bad guy that they're fighting at that moment like says to him like use your 50 caliber higher bullets they hit him multiple times nothing happens to him he's just superman he's, yep. he's superman in this so i mean i don't know there's, there's a line in there where um, they're plotting RoboCop's demise, and they say, Michael Keaton says, what's bigger than a hero? And Jackie Earl Haley looks at him and goes, dead hero. And I, was, I like, threw up my hands. I was watching this on a plane. I, like, threw up my hands. I was just like, say the word martyr. It's such a better line. Just use the <laughs> word martyr. Don't say dead hero. Come on. I'm like, where are you writers? <laughs> 
And then he gets shot a bunch by the ED-209 in that crappy scene. I'm like, do they not have 50 caliber plus bullets in this? This guy is more than dead. And the whole time he's walking around, he's got one robot hand and one human hand. Why is that human hand there? And we, we talked about it now where there's like, okay, it was kind of a reference to the first one. It looks Still, stupid. It's real dumb. It's like, was your CGI budget so much that you like were to save money? They're like, just don't CGI the one hand. That'll save us ten thousand dollars that's really where it came down to i just uh, i mean a hundred million dollars folks yeah. this movie cost a hundred million dollars also jackie earl haley had a chance to kill him spoiler alert haley dies but he has a chance to kill him instead he's got to do some grandiose villain you know like speech do some grandstanding and then robocop fucking his partner shoots him who is played very well by uh what's his name from the wire michael keith michael kenneth williams thank you michael kenneth omar's coming omar is amazing in this movie oh, he's great he's, he's another one it's it's another great example of just like he there's this level of actor in this movie that was is like amazing and it's all the side characters and the main guy you're supposed to give a shit about is not good enough to carry this nope. movie so um yeah anyway i mean like they just they <laughs> They show multiple times how the suit like assembles himself around him, and I put in there. It's like I really want to see the way he looks under that stupid suit and how it assembles itself. Said no one ever. Nope. And then the studio was like, "But Iron Man, but Iron Man." And they tried it. to make it, and it just doesn't work out. And then they end on a Samuel L. Jackson scene, which again is it's fine. It's, it's kind of an interesting way for them to wrap it up. And he says his like I think it's at this point his catchphrase. He says "motherfucker" in it. They bleep it. Yep, they bleep it. They believe, they believe Samuel L. Jackson swearing. You can't. Of all the travesties that this movie does, it ends on that. And maybe it's because they ended on it, or maybe it's because I'm really mad about this. That is the greatest travesty of all. Sick of you these don't. Mo- sick of these Monday Friday snakes on this Monday Friday plane, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends. Oh no! Actually, you know what? Maybe the greatest travesty is the fact that over the end credits they play "I Fought the Law" on the wall. Yeah. Come on, yeah. that's a little on the nose here, gentlemen. That's almost as bad as Suicide Squad and all their musical selections, uh, which were just too far. We're not, anyway, we're not there yet. We're not there yet, and uh, let's hope we never get there. Anyway, RoboCop 2014. Um, Rotten Tomatoes. Interesting. The critics and the audience both said 49% actually liked it, so wasn't super well received. No, not very well received. And you said you mentioned it was it cost 100 million to make. What or we got some budget numbers on that bad boy. <laughs> so opening weekend only did 21 million. Yikes! That's not a good multiple. That is not good. Um, worldwide gross though 242 million. That's impressive. So it's, what did it it's, make domestically? Ah. 58 million. This was hugely successful overseas, um, specifically specifically in Asia. This was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, It did not do well here, as I think a lot of people were still very, very familiar with the the Peter Weller 1987. Yeah, it was number 56 for the year, uh, which was not very good. Top three in 2014, American Sniper, The Hunger Games Part 1, and Guardians of the Galaxy, all, all of which are 300-plus million domestic, yeah. and then another, like, 600-something, 700 worldwide. Like, just crazy multipliers. So this one is a flop. She's she's a flop. Oh, she's a flop. She's a flop. She, she no good. Did you find a one-star review by any chance? One-stars were actually... More difficult to come by than I thought they would be about this movie. This movie is actually pretty well regarded on Amazon. I was kind of surprised by it. But I did find a one-star review. Um, It is, is there a way to give zero stars? The movie was terrible. 
there is pretty much no way to make this concept work in a movie, and they try badly anyway. You will want your time back after watching this movie. Now, I chose this one because I love the line, there is pretty much no way to make this concept work in a movie. Dude, they did make it work in a movie. It's 1987's RoboCop. Yeah. Did you did you, did you, did you miss that? that? Did you miss did you miss that? But that was my uh my choice there. Paul, you made a hell of a face there. Did you find a one star review? I did find a one star review. <laughs> uh this one is called Better Than Watching Your Fingernails Get Pulled Out. Oh cool. I turned it off about twenty minutes in. <laughs> if I were given a choice between watching the rest of this and licking the muffler on my car after it had been running for a while, <laughs> it would have been the muffler hands down. I didn't have high expectations, and this somehow managed to still come in way too low. Yikes. Ugh. That's no good. Yeah. He's no good. It's pretty bad. Um, what about what about a fiber? Did you did you find one? Again, there were a surprisingly large amount of five star reviews for this movie, so I did. This one's titled Wicked Cool. And that it says that says so much about the writer right uh, there. Yep. So it is. Wicked cool. Great CGI effects. Joel Kinnaman is kick ass as RoboCop. That is two words, all capitalized. All Again. RoboCop. See the headline. I love how he shows with deep empathy who the before RoboCop he is. It's a great sci-fi. It's a great sci-fi. I'm pretty old school when it comes to science fiction. I am in my 60s, read all the Bradbury, Herbert, et, et alia. I'm not sure what that means. In the 50s and 60s, I am hard to please. This film has a lot of action, violence, humor. Samuel L. Jackson's character rocks. Family, greed, ego, crime. I worked in a major city police slash detective unit in the 80s. Would have loved this cop. Go, Joel. You freaking rule. Loved him in The Killing also. Need to watch him do some comedy. Go socks. Yeah. Go go socks. Fucking wicked pisser. Fucking wicked pisser. <laughs> so, Paul, did you find a, a five-star review I did. this one? I did. It's called a, a, a Modern Adaptation. Usually, I hate remakes. However, this one, or excuse me, this is one of those times when I reevaluate my position. This movie was excellently directed. The cinematography cinematography is awe-inspiring the acting is solid and the storyline does not betray our beloved classic i actually like the story better in this remake than the original primarily because this version is centered more around murphy's quest to regain his humanity than omnicorp trying to take over the world this movie is a real home run real home run folks this is like a bloop. This I is like a broken a, bat single at I, best. Yeah, I, think. <laughs> I got I got sad just reading this. Um, so those were those were some some interesting reviews, some yeah. some theories that people had regarding it. Let's um, um yeah, let's get to the judging. Let's let's break this shit down. Uh, let's go with our uh, you know for those of you that have listened to this before, we do a breakdown of five main categories: cast, acting, direction slash script, production value, and enjoyment value. So let's get to the cast. Eighty-seven versus nine, uh, 2014. Paul, you got a you, you got a hell of a look on your face right now, and I think I know what your answer is going to be here. But uh, which which do you prefer, cast wise? Uh, I am I'm giving it 2014. I think the Ooh. cast of the 2014 is better. I think the acting is better. I think that and and again, both of them have big names. Mm-hmm. Both the the folks we mentioned. Um, were very big in the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s even mm-hmm. and and again some of them have most of them, some most of that some are dead yeah um kurtwood smith obviously went on to have a 
huge television show. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the new one. I mean, you're talking it, while the 80s where those were great actors and very, very accomplished. You're talking some of today's most accomplished actors. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman, Samuel Jackson, Michael Keaton. I mean, he's he's uh, timeless. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it to 2014. Uh, I, I, I actually have to agree with you on that one cast um it hurts, was, it hurts was, you doesn't it that was my that was my inner turmoil there too now if we go on to the the next piece acting i mean you mentioned that you think that the acting was a little bit better in 2014 maybe but have your have your rationale after that but i mean for me i actually give the acting to 1987 just because joel kinnaman and his wife are so bad and even the son is not very good in the new one there's nobody like that in the old one i think that i mentioned like oldman is so fucking good in the new one keaton is really good uh, you know, Omar and Jackie Earl Haley. These guys are good, but there's just ugh, the 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 main two characters are so bad. The 1987 doesn't doesn't have anybody like that. Everybody is, even though nobody may be on the level as some of those other actors are, they are all above the level of Kinnaman and his wife in the new one. So I give it to 1987 personally. What about you? So I'm going to agree with you, but maybe for similar reasons, maybe okay. for different. Sure. So this movie is called RoboCop. It sure is. This is a, this movie is is called RoboCop. So I, and it's not, I, it's not it's not short for Robert O. Cop. This no, is Robo. He's this a isn't, robot. This cop. isn't supporting cast of RoboCop. Ro, this isn't RoboCop's friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. If you were just to look at the two actors who played a RoboCop, Th- this is a good way to look at it. It's nineteen eighty seven, hands down. Yeah. Um, we we I mean I think we started the whole two thousand fourteen discussion on bashing Joel Kinnaman and how yeah. bad we don't like him, and how much we dislike his wife. And again, there was no partner that to feel like I love Lewis. Like mm-hmm. she was fantastic. So I mean, it's while I believe the casting was better mm-hmm. in two thousand fourteen, I think the acting, while some of it cheesy, I still like. I like. I like the actual RoboCops mm-hmm. better in 1987. So how about the direction slash script of the two? What do you what do you think in there? This one's actually really tough mm-hmm. for me. Because mm-hmm. I I like the modernness of the first one and the debate over should we be using this technology? Mm-hmm. Should we not be using to this technology? I like the first one for its groundbreaking just gore and Mm -hmm. violence Mm -hmm. and undertones but in the end writing and directing i'm gonna give it to the original one Mm. um also Mm. for the theme that this in 1987 this was this was groundbreaking shit Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. isn't this was new this was fresh this was an uh, not an idea that had been thought of this was not a comic book first Mm -hmm. you know frank miller did this after Mm -hmm. robocop Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really wasn't that inspired with the first story. Like, while I like the undertones, I still don't think it was that good. So I'm giving it to the, I'm giving it to 1987. Yep. I I mean I agree. I, I it's just it's a better directed film. Paul Verhoeven is an accomplished director. Like his stuff or not, he's very very good at it. Uh, the script is just better. It's just yeah. It's yeah. It's just a it's a it's a better movie in 1987. It really is. Uh, production value. I. I, I personally, I, so you have to look at it, you know, the 87 one looks a little dated by today's terms. Again, it's got claymation in there, and I've, I'm a sucker for all that type of stuff. Um, for the true production value of it, I actually, I think I give this to 1987, because when you look at 2014, they have too much CGI in there that doesn't look good. Even And it's not even that it, like, doesn't look good now. That was only, like, a few years ago. There was There are better examples of CGI in that same year that you could point to pretty easily. 
so I, I look at it and I think the production value of them, I give it to 1987. But uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts there? I'm going to go 2014, actually. All right, I think the I think the production value of the new one is is far more stellar. And I go back to previous comments when I say, but personally, I like watching the where do you think we're going to be? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the first one was just kind of, it, it just wasn't as good. I okay. mean, let's be honest. The production value, for me, in my opinion, was not as good. Um, yes, claymation. For all those reasons, yeah. I, while I definitely understand why you appreciate it, I'm definitely giving that as a negative side to the production value. So I do, I do as much as I don't want to give really any kudos to the new one, <laughs> I do have to give it some, in my opinion, where I think it, I think it's deserved. That's completely fair. But what about enjoyment value? No, old one. Robocop it's not, it's not 87. I don't even think we need. I think nope. we've answered that no throughout this, this podcast. Um, <laughs> so one thing I do want to yes. one thing I do want to throw out there. Oh, please, please, is please. it was started a campaign. Letters were written. Um, Peter Weller got involved with it to construct a Rocky-like statue for RoboCop. Oh, I forgot in about this. Detroit. Yes. Yep, and it's. It's it's happening. Oh, it doing exists. It, it yeah, exists. They've done it. It's it's fantastic. So next time you're in Detroit, go for, see RoboCop. Go see RoboCop statue. Just uh, yeah, you know, post it on our webpage so you we know you did it. But yeah. uh, thought I'd throw that out there that this movie really did have a big impact on the city of Detroit. Absolutely did. Yeah. Um, it kind of brought <laughs> kind of you know <laughs> hindsight twenty twenty. We're there now, Detroit. Yeah. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, this really kind of brought Detroit one of the first bigger movies I think that were was mm-hmm. filmed in Detroit and and brought that city to limelight. So yeah, no, I I, I really agree. So let's get back to the title of our podcast, Paul. I'm looking at RoboCop 2014. Was that really necessary? Was that one that they made really necessary? Yeah, that no. one. No, I don't think it was necessary. I think it could have been necessary. I think this was a cash grab. I think that a PG-13 version of this was not necessary. If they had made, they could have been necessary, in my opinion. If you had stuck more to the R rating, the gore brought it for that adult audience, I we'd be having we'd probably be having an entirely different podcast about this right now. But in my opinion, no. This, what they gave us, not necessary. See, I want to go on a long diatribe about how I think it is worth it, almost like a peewee hearkening mm-hmm. back to that one where it's like, oh, but it brought it into the new series, <clears throat> so I think it was necessary, blah, blah, I can't, I can't, I can't. You took a movie that was very subversive and very interesting and had more than just the surface level of it and put it into a surface level sci-fi action shitty, just, uh, just didn't work for me. Mm-mm. So I think I figure at some point we'll probably get to Total Recall, which is another Verhoeven one that was remade. And I think we there might even be enough of a gap in between some of those Starship Troopers ones. Like, I, I don't know. It, but this may not be our last time touching on Verhoeven. It's it's just like, ugh. I, wa- I wanted RoboCop, especially the promising beginning to the movie. I wanted to like this movie. Couldn't do it. It is not necessary. So on that type of note i say that we may not be doing total recall but i don't know because you see it is actually paul's turn to tell us what our next episode is and for those of you that don't know this we reveal this to each other live in the studio quote unquote studio that we have so paul gets to show this to me you guys are going to hear along with me Uh, what the next movie we're going uh, to be reviewing is so excited this is one of my favorite movies of all time what are we doing next by one of my favorite directors Ooh, catherine bigelow movie 19 what? 
91. Yeah. Oh, we're going to take this to a very young, very buff Patrick Swayze. Jesus Christ. Gary Busey. You're kidding me. And Keanu Reeves. You're kidding me. Bitch, we're going surfing. We're, we're going, going point, point break. break. <laughs> we're going point break. Um, so in case you didn't know, this is a Catherine Bigelow movie from the 90s. Um, I have not watched the I have not watched the 2015 remake. Nor have I. I, I Darn, hold, that's a new one for me. I hold point break very dear in my heart for so many stupid fucking reasons that you're all going to learn about next week. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so, point break. So we are going to jump on that Keanu Reeves bandwagon oh. and jump on some point break. I I can get behind that. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, like, rate, subscribe, uh, follow us on Facebook. You'll be able to meet this. Yeah, I know we don't do a whole lot of updates in here, but whatever. We're uh, we're trying. We're doing this. It's, it's kind of fun. We both have infants. Um, this is a good, good break for us. So from everyone here, thank you guys so much for listening. I am Zach Buell. And I'm Paul Albuquerque. And this has been Was That Really Necessary?